So last week we looked at how we gather as worshippers together, about the fact that as a family we're built together into a holy temple of God, a place where the God of heaven can be found on earth, a place to encounter his presence. And we we looked at Ezekiel about how this, this river that comes out of the sanctuary brings life Wherever it goes, it's a life-giving spirit. Wherever that spirit flows, he brings his blessing. And as we move into the New Testament, that river is located more specifically as flowing from Jesus himself. And so today we're thinking about growing as followers, growing as followers, fruitful followers. This is what it says in Colossians 2. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus in in the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thankfulness, thanksgiving. So if you imagine then, there's a river that flows from, from the gathering, from the, from the temple, from the place where the Holy Spirit dwells in our lives as individuals and as our lives as a church corporately. And that river flows, and, and remember that the, either side of the banks of the river, there were trees that grew, and their roots were put down into the stream, into the river. And, and they're the symbolic of our lives. And those trees that grew yielded fruit every month, and the leaves were for healing. It's a picture of the blessed life that God wants to give us, that blesses the people around us. But then in the New Testament, we we see that that river is not just a, a symbolic picture of the Holy Spirit. We're to be rooted in Jesus. We're to be rooted in Him. And it says we're rooted and built up in Him that we grow, established in our faith that we abound in thanksgiving. Such a fruitful life comes from rooting ourselves in the right place. There are lots of ways to think about this term rooted. Uh, If someone is rooted on the spot, it means that they're kind of steadfast. It means that they're moving. You might be rooted on the spot. Somebody might, might be rooted in a position that makes them absolutely immovable and kind of impossible sometimes. You know, if someone's rooted... It means they're not going anywhere. It means they're absolutely secure and immovable. Or we might talk about rooted being someone having their their roots or their views rooted in in a particular teaching or a particular part of history. They, They find their roots, their influence in a particular area. To be to be rooted is to be influenced. But also, if I plant and put my roots down, it also means that I'm drawing nourishment from the place that has been planted. If I'm putting my roots down, it means that I'm seeking to find nourishment. And so we get these, this picture of being rooted in Christ. It's to, be, to put down your roots to say, I'm not moving. I'm, I'm, I'm staying here. I'm going I'm to be rooted to the spot, and that spot is Jesus. And, I, and I'm going to let him influence my life. And he is going to determine the kind of fruit that grows from my life. And, and as he influences me, I'm going to draw all the nourishment that I can. You see, we, we have a choice where we're going to root our lives. And the root will determine the fruit. 
And so the question we have to ask each one of us is if we're, if we're going to grow, if we want to grow into fruitful disciples, followers of Jesus, if we want our lives to, to be characterized by that picture in Ezekiel of, of fruit that yields in season, um, every month leaves for healing, a life of joy and peace and love. If we want that to be the, the, the defining features of our lives, then we need to root ourselves in Christ, where we are rooted, determines what fruit will grow. And so the question is, where are you rooted? Where are you and I going to put down our roots? In the scriptures we're exploring today, Jesus put it this way. He said these words. He said, abide with me. Abide with me. Let's read John 15 together. John 15, chapter, chapter 15, verses 1 to 11 is what we're going to look at today. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Love each other. Before we get into some things that help us abide in Jesus, it's first important to recognize that to grow... Two things need to happen. The first is that God works. Growth comes from God. We don't, we don't make ourselves grow. You plant a seed in the ground and, it, and it's watered and that you put it in the right soil in the right conditions. But it's not us that makes it grow. It grows because God makes it grow. In the same way, God makes us grow. And there's a kind of disturbing uh, word in this, in this passage of how God makes us grow. 
It's, it's a kind of disturbing word because it kind of sounds painful. <clears throat> Does anybody know what that word is? Did you spot it? He prunes us. Anything that is fruitful, he prunes to make it even more fruitful. Fruitfulness is not an option to God. And there's a warning. If there's no fruit, eventually you're going to be identified as being dead. (laughs) Just as James says, faith without deeds is dead. So a branch without fruit is dead. But for those who are fruitful, God will prune your life to make you even more fruitful. This is a picture of our old garden back in Uddersfield. And, uh, and just to the right-hand side, you can't quite see it, but there was a climbing rose. And this rose kind of like, throughout the whole time we were there, just kind of got bigger and bigger. And it, and it climbed up the drain pipe. And every year we'd get to kind of like November time, I think it was. And Sarah said, you've got to go and cut that rose back. And, and every year I'd, I didn't want to do it because I was always a bit scared. You know, is there anybody good at pruning here? Anybody, any gardeners? I think there's a few people know what they're doing, but I don't really know what I'm doing anyway. So I just kind of like hack this rose back every time. <clears throat> and every time I'm kind of hacking it back, I'm thinking, I hope I don't overdo it. You know, it looks pretty horrendous after I've cut all of these branches off. But every year it grow, grew back all the more full, all the more flowers. Until one year, I kind of thought, well, it seems to just not really matter how, how much I cut it back, so I'm just going to go for it. And I just absolutely went for it and cut it back, and I looked at it, and the panic kind of set in. I thought, I've ruined it. I've gone too far. But lo and behold, it grew back again, all the more fruitful. And there's this picture that God is not, not a complete novice like me, but the Heavenly Father walks around our lives as if our lives are branches on the, on the vine. And like with precision and expert detail and accuracy, he comes along with his secretaries and says, that's not quite fruitful enough. That could be better. I'm going to clip that off. And he's walking around and he walks into your life and he says, mm, that could be better. It's, it's okay, but it could be better. I'm going I'm to cut that off. And, you know, for us as Christians, if we're going to really pursue being growing as disciples of Jesus, we need to not run in the other direction when we see God walking towards us with a pair of secretaries. Do you know what I mean? We need to, we need to welcome his work. You see, he works to help us to grow by helping us cut out the things that are not being as fruitful as they could be. Some of you like, have heard the phrase many times, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Put your hand up if you're one of those people that says, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. I want to tell you that God disagrees. God says, if it can be better, then make it better. Something doesn't have to be broken for God to want to change it. He has a vision of your life that is better than just fixing something that's broken. He's got a vision of your life to make you fruitful and more fruitful and even more fruitful. And you know, we've got to embrace the opportunities that change brings if we're going to grow. We can't simply run in the other direction. We can't simply avoid change. We've got to embrace the opportunity that change brings. You know, when our kids were riding a bike, learning to ride a bike, if you've ever taught someone to ride a bike, there's a kind of like, there's a point where they've learned on the stabilizers, they do it a bit differently now, but anyway, when, the way I was teaching my kids, they had these stabilizers on the bike, and they were really, they were really kind of like 
happy and secure, and they were going at a certain speed, and they were quite happy just trundling along on their stabilizers. But you just knew as a dad, you just thought, that's not good enough. That's going to hold them back eventually. And you come to that crunch point where you say, I'm just going to take them off. And so you take them off in secret. And the next time you bring out the bike, they look at the bike and they go, what's that? Where's, where's the stabilizers? Sorry, you'll be fine. But I need them. No, 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 you'll be fine. I'm right there beside you. You'll be fine. You're going to work it. You're ready for this. This is time. It's time to take a step, to, to take the risk. And you know what happens, don't you? Here's me kind of holding the saddle, running alongside. I'm the stabilizer instead of the stabilizers. And then there comes a point where you just let go. And what always happens? They fall off. But then they get back up again. And you have another go. And this time they stay on. And when they stay on, they do not look back. They don't ever say, I really want my stabilizers back on, Dad. I really miss them. They are off. And in the same way, God comes along to our lives and he, and he takes the stabilizers away, the things we were leaning on to our detriment, the things that we trusted in too much. God, did, God does a work on us when he removes things that we might have otherwise been leaning on. We've got to be willing to allow God to prune our lives, to change us through changes that occur. Sometimes that can be very painful and, and hard. God uprooted us from, from Huddersfield, a church we, we loved two years ago, and we felt secure. It was a very, it was a brilliant, it's a brilliant church, still is, and we were happy there. Our kids felt safe. We were in a home that we loved. We had people around us that cared about us. We, we felt really, really secure. But it was a sense that God looked at us and thought, those stabilizers, they need to come off. He only looked at me that way. And at first, it's a little bit, oh, this is a bit hairy, this is a bit scary. But God said, this is for your growth. This is for your good. It might be hard for a time, but he uproots us. And it's an invitation to look at those roots and say, where am I really relying? Where am I really trusting? Am I trusting in just people or am I trusting in God? Am I trusting in the things being just the same as they've always been and relying on the fact that I know what will happen and it's predictable? Or am I really trusting in God to lead me somewhere new, somewhere different? It's an invitation to put our security in him, to let change change you for the better. It doesn't have to be broke for God to want to change it. God just needs to look at you and think, that could be better. That could be stronger. You could grow. You could be more fruitful. It's not that the thing was wrong. It's just that you could be more. You could do more. You could be more fruitful. Jesus says that God the Father will oversee, sometimes destabilizing and uprooting of our lives, sometimes even painful pruning to bring about growth. And the purpose is that we would know him and rely on him all the more, that we might go further in our walk with God. I wonder, have you experienced some destabilizing in your life? Have you experienced changes in your life? And, and 
when you see the change coming, what do you do? You resist it, you resist it, you resist it. But could there be a sense that God wants, is just inviting you to just lean on him all the more? Those stabilizers, they're, they're now holding you back. You need to be free. You need to go further. It's an invitation to put down deeper roots. And this calls for some self-examination, doesn't it? Are there ways in my life where things that I've been leaning on too heavily, that God is just changing, and I feel unsettled? I feel a little bit, I don't really know where I am. Is that God's way of giving you an opportunity to lean more heavily on him? Is there something in your life that has become unfruitful, but it's, it's so precious and it used to be really fruitful, but it's just not anymore? Is, this, is there something you want to, that God is just inviting you to lay down? Does my life bring a blessing to others and joy to others? Is my life full of love or am I growing cynical and impatient? Am I growing like Christ? Listen, there's always more, isn't there? There's always ways to grow. And so this is, this is a constant journey, and probably for every single one of those questions, the answer is yes, in some way for all of us. Yes, there's ways we need to grow. But God is such a wonderful, loving, heavenly Father. He walks around our lives like a gardener with a pair of secateurs and says, that could be more fruitful. Just welcome his loving pruning in your life. This is something we all need to consider. Fortunately for us, Jesus goes on to tell us that as we do that, God has given us what we need in order to be more stable in him, to be rooted in him, not to just be drifting around as God unsettles us, but to actually anchor ourselves more in God. And there's a few ways that we want to just, I just want to bring out from this passage today that will help us to be rooted in God as God works in us, unsettles our lives, brings about change, helps us to grow... And there's some ways that we can just anchor ourselves in that time. The first is, let prayer empower you. Let prayer empower you. Let's look at verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove yourself to be my disciples. Jesus is saying, listen, the way to know that you're, to not be completely up and down and just going with all the changes in life, just being pushed back and forth, to and fro, just wobbling all the way through, is to root yourself in him, to abide in him, to live in a relationship with him. And one of the ways that we do that is through prayer. One of the primary ways is through prayer. Can you see, apart from me, you can do nothing. But here's how to see something happen. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. When you are in a relationship with Jesus, deepening in your relationship with Jesus, you will see him answer prayer, and that will cause your faith to grow. Nothing causes faith to grow than answers prayer, doesn't it? It's so exciting. I was meeting just this week with somebody... 
went to visit one of the members of the church, and uh, she was really struggling with an ongoing issue with, with her car and a finance company, and it was all getting very, very mess, messy, and it was, there, was, there was a debt that was kind of like just not going away, and the car was unusable. It was a really bad situation. It was causing great anxiety. And we just, uh, just prayed with her, and we just prayed that God would resolve the issue by the end of the week. Literally just a few hours later, she got a message from the finance company saying, we're taking the car back. All the debt has been just wiped away. You don't need to pay any of it. And a remarkable answer to prayer. And her, her faith just went through the roof from that point. It's just like, all we did was just pray, God, please help this to be resolved by the end of the week. And God did it. God's real. Wow, we could pray. Keep praying. All the debt gone. And do you know... That is a great way of seeing our faith just anchored. We can pray about anything. In all the destabilizing, in all the unsettling, the stabilizers coming off, in all the pruning, we can still ask for anything. And God, God, will, God will answer our prayers. He will. But prayer is more than just simply getting answers. Prayer roots us in the reality of our relationship with God. Prayer is an end in itself. It's not simply the answer to prayer that's the end. It's the prayer itself that's the end because God simply wants to draw us into a relationship where when we pray what do we do when I'm praying I'm saying I'm not in charge I'm saying there is a God I'm saying prayer is more effective than me doing stuff I'm saying I need you it's where God is God in the truest way to me when I pray because all the other stuff I can, I can say, well, look what I did, and look what I did, and look what I did. But when we pray, it's all what he did. It's all what he's done. And we come and we just throw ourselves on him. We say, God, I'm just trusting you in this. Prayer roots us in Christ. This is, this is what it means to abide in him, to live in him, to dwell with him, to be rooted in him. If we're not praying, we're not rooted Tim Keller writes in his book on prayer, prayer is how God gives us so many of the unimaginable things he has for us. Prayer makes it safe for God to give us many of the things we most desire. It is the way we know God, the way we finally treat God as God. Prayer is simply the key to everything we need to do and be in life. doesn't matter how you pray, just pray. Just a moment of acknowledging that God is there with that kind of most primal prayer. Lord, help. You ever prayed those prayers in a moment? Sometimes the, the shortest prayers are the most powerful, aren't they? Help me, God. Do something. Step in. I need you. I was talking to someone just last week who had been through a really tough time in their life and was finding just their relationship with God just really, they were just really struggling. And they just kind of went back to some set prayers that they knew from even from the common book of prayer. And they were just finding that this was just all they could do right now. But even though it was just all they could do, they were doing it. Just pray. Whatever it is that you can do, do. Pray and it will help you be rooted in him. Start somewhere. This is what Alfred Lord Tennyson wrote. Pray for my soul. More things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. Therefore, let thy voice rise like a fountain for me, night 
and day. So, when God is behind the scenes, destabling us, uh, uprooting us, pruning us, we can stay rooted in him more deeply when we pray. That is what he wants us to do. He's saying, don't, don't abide in these other things. Don't root yourselves in other these things. I'm going to help you lean on me. I'm going to help you grow in me. And it starts with prayer. The second thing then is, let the word equip you. So let the prayer empower you. Let the word equip you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. If you abide in me and my words, and my words abide in you. So often we like to kind of separate prayer and, and reading the Bible as, as if they're two separate things to the point where you might have say, someone says, well, you know, I'm not really a prayer, but I like my Bible. I'm, 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 get me into the Word. I want to get into the Word. I'm going to do my Bible study. And, I'm, and I'm, you might have somebody that just kind of like, really, that's their passion is just get into the Word. And you might have someone else that says, well, you know, I'm, I'm not much of a Bible reader, but I love to pray. I love to pray, you know, I just feel free when I pray. But I mean, reading the Bible, I find that hard. But, but Jesus doesn't separate them. He brings them together. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. It's all, you cannot separate the two. There's no more confident a prayer than one that is rooted in the word of God. And there's no truer reading of the word than reading that is rooted in prayer. They go hand in hand, empowering and equipping our relationship with God. Many of you will already know these scriptures. I'm going to read to you now 2 Timothy 3, 17 and 18. All scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching and reproof and correction, for training and righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God is going to equip you as you read his word. As Jesus' words abide in you, live in you, dwell in you. Psalm 119, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 1, blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And get this, this is what he says the word will produce. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. Heard that before, haven't we? That yields its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither. All that he does prospers. Read, delight, digest, study, meditate, memorize, enjoy. Hide the word of God in your heart. Keep the word of God. Later on it says, if you keep my words. A keep is, you know, the most secure part of, of, a, uh, of a castle, isn't it? You've got, the, you kind of got, you've got the outer walls and the inner walls, but the keep is right at the heart. Keep my words in your heart. And don't, don't lose them. Don't let it slip. Don't get rid of it. Keep them. It's not rocket science, is it? And this is, you might think, okay, Mark, we thought we were going to get something a bit more, you know, a bit newer than that. Pray, read the Bible. We've heard that before. And yet, these are, aren't these two of the most daunting things? The things we struggle with the most, 
the things that we find it hard to do consistently. Recently, I've, um, I've started running. Well, I thought running is probably an exaggeration. Um, I've started jogging. Um, well, I don't know if jogging is probably an exaggeration. Actually, anyway, I've just kind of like, kind of, I've been kind of plodding along, pretending to jog, trying to kind of keep fit a little bit. Just before Christmas, I started doing this. And when I first started, I thought, well, the reason I started this was because I thought, well, I'm getting a bit older. I need to look after my heart. I'm not doing any exercise. And also, my daughter, well, she, she was, wasn't doing that much exercise. Maybe if I run a bit, she can come with me. But I thought, I need to get running first. Otherwise, I'll just be a total embarrassment to her. So I'll, I'll just do do a little bit of running. And so I did what you always do. I just kind of like, right, I'm going for a five-mile run now. And, um, well, the next day, <laughs> couldn't walk. day after that, couldn't walk. And, you know, I kind of I totally overdid it, a bit more than I could chew. And I just kind of felt I'm aching all the way through. I thought, oh, I'm never doing that again. Sometimes we can be like that with our Bible reading. Right, I'm going to read. I'm going to read the whole of the New Testament now. What do we do? This Bible reading is hard work. Well, I think I'll just, I think I'll take a break. Take a break for him. What I'm learning is that, well, I went back anyway. I went back to, to, okay, I'll just do a little bit. So I just, I did more of like a couch to 5K and I started, just ran a little bit, walked a little bit and just did what I could do. And I thought, I'm just not going to, I'm just going to avoid injury. That's my one goal. And so I just ran a little bit. And then a couple of days later, I went for a little bit more of a run and just did a tiny bit more. And then, and then I just learned to just find a distance that was healthy and helpful. that wasn't actually going to completely destroy me. And eventually, I've managed to get into a point of having a rhythm and a pace and a distance that I can do consistently. And when, it's when we do it consistently that it gives us value, isn't it? It's when we do it often, repeatedly. Those things are the things that change our lives. The things we can do every week, all the time, regularly. And in the same way, I would say, when you read the Bible, just find a place to start. Don't overdo it. Start little and often. Build it up. Find your rhythm. Sometimes when I run, I, you can kind of, you look up and you see the hill that's, that's coming towards you. And you look up and suddenly you're a bit daunted. You think, I don't know if I've got this in me. And you might read the Bible and think, oh, gosh, this is, whew, how many chapters is this book? Oh, this is what? 50 chapters, oh my goodness. I mean, what? How am I ever going to get through all of them? How many books of the Bible? I'm never going to get through that. Sometimes we can think, well, it's just unachievable. I'm not going to bother. But what do you do in those moments? You just get back down and think, okay, I'm just going to do the next step. And then the next step and the next step. And rather than look in the distance, I'm just going to look right where I am. Keep my eyes on the road. And just carry on at the pace I'm able to do. And eventually, you find that you reach the top of the hill and you look back and think, wow, I made it. How on earth did I make it? I made it by just carrying on and not getting overwhelmed. And so I really believe that if we're going to grow, we really have to find a way to get the Word of God into our hearts and not be overwhelmed by it. But we need to pray and read, read and pray. When God's Word is rooted in us, we're, more root, root, we're deeply rooted in God. We're equipped and empowered one more thing then. Let's skip on. Thirdly then, let his love surround you. Let's read this together. As, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. 
I have told you this, that, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The disciples were about to go through a period of serious uprooting, destabilizing, pruning. They were about to lose almost everything. Just imagine, they've, left, they've already left everything to follow Jesus. Jesus is with them, and he's in the upper room, and he's teaching them now what's about to happen. And he's saying, look, this is, you've got to abide in me, you've got to abide in me, but there's going to be some changes coming. And just in a few short days, Jesus will be betrayed, he'll be accused, he'll be murdered on the cross, and they will not know what to think. They will not know what to do. And when we go through destabilizing things, when we go through hard times, when we go through things where we think, well, that's a bit harsh, God. Why do you let that happen? It can make us question the love of God. If you really loved me, would you, would you have allowed me to go through these things? Would you, would you have taken that thing away? That was a good thing. And God, in his, in his wisdom that we, we cannot comprehend, we cannot see where it's all going, but God says, just abide in my love. Abide in my love. Live there. Dwell there in my love. In my love for you that will never fail. It's possible that some of you have been trying to grow as Christians. Perhaps you've been reading your Bibles, praying even. But you still don't know that God loves you. The penny hasn't dropped yet. And until it does, you're never going to understand and welcome the work of God to bring about growth in your life. You're never going to trust him until you know that he loves you. You're never going to hear his voice with the right tone. You know, when someone sends a text message out, there's no, there's no tone to it. You don't, know kind of, you don't know what they really mean. You need to hear the voice. And then you, then you discern what's behind it. Whether it's, uh, whether it's angry or whether it's loving, whether it's kind, whether it's generous, whatever it is. God wants us to understand and understand his voice, that he is loving, to abide in his love. This is what Paul says. I pray that in Ephesians 3, I pray that you be rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. See, God just wants us to be rooted in his love for us. And that love is not simply experienced in isolation. It's something that God intends to bring about through each other. That we're only really surrounded by love when we're surrounded by loving people. This is my command, he goes on to say. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this. than he lays down his life for his friends. Go and love as I have loved you, Jesus says. How are you going to remain in my love? Love each other. How are you going to live in my love, Jesus says? Love each other as I have loved you. Do what I have done for you for others. Treat other people the way that I have treated you. And they will remain in my love. How did Jesus treat his disciples? He shared his life with them. He traveled with them. He ate with them. He spoke with them. He listened to them. 
He taught them as friends. He trusted them to help him. He was there when they needed him. And ultimately, he says, greater love is no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. He laid down his life for his friends. Love puts others first. When Jesus picked up that cross, he didn't just pick up the cross. He picked up you and me. Love picks other people up, lays down our lives so that others can be lifted as a cost. And you know, we need to do this for each other because the truth is we all struggle. We all go through times of destabilizing. We all go through times of change. And when we go through those times of change, what we need is people around us who are going to encourage us and help us to pray and help us to read the Bible and, and love us just as we are in whatever it is we're going through. See, God's solution is his church. The church is his loving arms around other people. Jesus experienced this with a, a small group of people, disciples. And, you know, we need to experience this too. As we go through challenges in life, we need a people around us who will pray with us and stand with us and share life together. People who we can know and really be known by. That's why as a, as a church we're launching these small groups, these growth groups as I'm calling them. Groups that are committed to growing with God together. Helping each other pray together. Helping each other get into the word together. Sharing life and loving each other. I'm going to be introducing them as, as uh, leaders and homes become available over the year. <clears throat> but we're going to be launching some fairly soon. And the Monday nights and the Wednesdays are going to be introductions to that over these coming weeks. And so just to say, come along on Monday nights and Wednesday mornings as normal. And we'll be looking at them together. So do sign up at the back. God wants us to grow as followers of Jesus. And in all the changes that God wants to bring about in our lives, he has put in place a mechanism for us to grow. We pray, we remain in him. We get the word into us and be equipped. But also, we don't do it in isolation. We do it together. We do it as a family. We do it by gathering around other people. God wants us to grow as followers we were never meant to do this alone. I was listening to a talk the other day. He was telling a story about a man who was an alcoholic. He was an alcoholic. He'd been an alcoholic for 17 years. He was sober. Hadn't had a drink for 17 years. And yet every month he still went along to his AA meetings. And the pastor said to this man, listen, you haven't had a drink for 17 years. You've got this nailed. Um, why do you keep going? And the man said, I don't go for me, I go for them. Because every day there is someone that is struggling that I can encourage. And I know what it's like because I've been there. Some of us might look at our lives and think, I don't need this. I don't, I don't, I don't need to be part of a small group. I'm fine as I am. Could it be that you might be fine. It could be that God wants you to go, not for yourself, but for others, to be an encouragement. And guess what? You will grow yourself when you do that. You see, we need to grow together as a family, all of us as fruitful followers of Jesus. So where are you abiding right now then? 
Where are you rooted? The truth is that we all abide somewhere. We all root our lives somewhere, in some place. We all seek to draw strength from something. And if we don't abide in prayer and in the word of God and in loving relationships, then we will abide somewhere else. Perhaps in the unforgiving pursuit of achievement. If only I could just achieve that goal, then, then I'll feel secure. Or the unrelenting quest for information. If I could just get that, that next thing, that one thing, that new thing, that new bit of information that's going to make all the difference to my life. If we're not rooted in the word, we're going to be just looking for something else somewhere else to just inform our lives. But it's not going to be enough. If we're not rooted in related relationships that are loving and accepting, we're going to seek acceptance from other people all the time, never knowing whether we really have it or not. Instead, Jesus calls us to abide in him, to let our lives be rooted in Christ, to grow as followers, fruitful followers of Jesus, and to do it together, every single one of us. This is God's desire for you and me. Just as I finish, I want to just read from the message version, the last few verses. This is what Jesus says. You didn't choose me. Remember, I chose you. And put you in the world to bear fruit. Fruit that won't spoil. As fruit bearers, whatever you ask in the, the Father in relation to me, he gives you. But remember the root command. Love one another. God wants you to be rooted in him. And he might shake you up from time to time to bring about deeper growth. But as you pray and as you read the word and as you are part of a community of believers that love you, you will grow. You will become fruitful. It doesn't have to be broke for it to be better. God wants us to be fruitful that we might give glory to him. And that other people might be blessed through our lives. So let's pray together. We're going to sing a song and lead into just a time of communion together. As we remember the ultimate cost that Jesus made. But I want you just to consider right now, where am I, where am I rooted? What am I leaning on? Are there ways that God is destabilizing my life, allowing it, overseeing it. Maybe it's not him that's doing it, but he's just overseeing it in some way. He wants us to take advantage of it for our growth. And the only way we're going to make sense of it is if we pray. And it's if we get his truth into our hearts. And if we don't do it by ourselves. So Lord, I just thank you that you have given us everything we need to grow. You're at work. You're the one bringing the growth. But we just want to partner with you. We want to welcome it. We want to be like those trees in Ezekiel that, that yield their fruit every month. It's not an up and down seasonal fruit. It's, a, it's an every month fruit. It's regular. It's consistent. Whatever else is going on in life, we can, we can have the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, and peace. And we can touch other people's lives with things that are healing to them and encouraging and give them hope. Lord, that's the life that we long to lead. And so we pray that you would cause us to grow even more fruitful. That you would cause us to put our roots down in you more deeply. That we might have a wider reach for you. That you would help us, Father God, to encourage one another as we pray and as we get into your word and as we, as we share life together. Lord, none of us 
need be isolated. None of us need be alone. Help us to be there for each other, we pray. But most of all, help us to be rooted in a deep personal relationship with you. We thank you, God, that you, you love us so much that you just long to see us grow more and more. We just want to welcome that work that we might be more fruitful, more like Jesus, more into the people that you've made us to be. Each one of us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.